0: these movements primarily focused on dismantling the top of the domination pyramid, politics and economics as conventionally defined. And what happened, this left in place the foundations on which this pyramid keeps rebuilding itself in regression after after regression. Your host for today's podcast is Hannah, CEO Venture in Residence. Welcome to CEO.world. This talk was recorded at the CEO Summit March 2021, titled Humanizing Our System Economics and Partnerism, with Rianne Eisler, PhD and President for the Center for Partnership Systems. Learn more about her work at CenterforPartnership.org. Partnerism is probably a new term for some of you, but as Einstein said it so well, we cannot solve problems with the same thinking that created them. We need new thinking. And again, uh, my work has been dedicated not only to new thinking, the thinking we need to bring about a more just and caring word, but also to identifying the actions, the steps, we can and must take to do this. Now that's all detailed in my books, uh, in the Chalice and the Blade, which, by the way, is now in its 57th U.S. printing and 37 foreign editions. And to fast forward to my most recent book, uh, which came out a few months ago with Oxford University Press, "Nurturing Our Humanity." But in this short time uh, we have together, I am going to ask you to start by stepping out of your comfort zone. And yes, take a fresh look at the old social and economic categories we've been taught. Because think about it, whether it's Eastern or Western, religious or secular, rightist or leftist, capitalist or socialist. There have been repressive, violent, unjust regimes in every one of these old social categories. So none of them tell us what we have to create to have a better world. And not only that, and this is critical, if you really think about it, these conventional categories marginalize or just leave out the majority of humanity women and children. By contrast, the partnership system and the domination system are new categories that provide us a holistic way of looking at social systems because that's what we need to create a better world. What they provide us with is a new tool, what I've called the partnership domination social scale. Uh, In other words, always a matter of degree, but as you will see in this scale, the status of women and yes of children are key elements. Indeed, as you will see, they are foundational to a better future for us all, women, men, everyone in between, and children. Now, the good news is we don't have to start from square one to move to partnership-oriented societies, and with this to a caring economics of partnerism again. And yes, I say again, because there is today enormous evidence I'm uh, dispelling this old story, well, the story you're all familiar with is so succinctly depicted in the caveman cartoon, isn't it? He's holding a club, a weapon in one hand. With the other hand, he's dragging a woman by the hair. And what does it tell us? It's always been this way. By implication, it always will be. This way, violence, injustice, male dominance, that's just human nature. Now, that is a false story. And by the way, this is really detailed in um, my latest book, Nurturing Our Humanity, because we know today for millennia, for thousands of years in our prehistory, no, for millions of years in our prehistory, <laughs> forgive me, society is oriented more to the partnership side of the partnership domination scale. They were not ideal, but they were more egalitarian, Yes, more gender balance. Children were not terrorized into submission and violence, starting with the family all the way to intergroup relations was not the norm. In fact, we are learning from archaeology, anthropology, linguistics, DNA studies, that warfare is at most 5,000 to 10,000 years old, which really is a drop in the millennia long evolutionary bucket of our species so that for most of our human adventure here on earth we today know that we did not live in domination oriented societies which are themselves only a recent development about five to ten thousand years ago and you have to really get this information into not only the academy but into the public discourse and i'm going to really Uh, jump now uh, to modern times, because if you look at recorded history through this lens of the partnership domination social scale, uh, what you can see is that modern history isn't just this random collection of events, but we're seeing during this period when the Industrial Revolution went into high gear. In other words, a period, again, of great disequilibrium is a strong movement towards partnerism, Ah, towards the partnership side of the continuum, countered, yes, by enormous domination, resistance, and punctured by periodic regressions. Because despite all their differences, every modern progressive movement has actually challenged the same thing a tradition of domination. Think about it. The Enlightenment Rights of Man movement challenged the so-called divinely ordained right of kings to rule their, quote, subjects. The feminist and later women's rights movement challenged again the supposedly divinely ordained right of men to rule the women and children in the, quote, castles, you know, a military metaphor of their homes. The anti-slavery and then the civil rights, anti-colonial Black Lives Matter movements they're challenging another so-called divinely ordained right, that of a supposedly superior race, to rule over, quote, inferior ones. The movement for economic equity challenged top-down control of resources. In other words, domination economics. The peace movement, and more recently the movement, to stop violence against women and children. And I have to say, this is still a global pandemic and it's finally getting attention. Uh, And I've written extensively about this. What does it challenge? It challenges these movements challenge the use of force to impose one's will on others, which is built into domination systems. And yes, all the way to the environmental movement, challenging our once hallowed conquest and domination of nature that at our level of technological development could take us to an evolutionary dead end for our species. But if we look more closely, and this is really important, what we see is that these movements primarily focus on dismantling the top of the domination pyramid, politics and economics as conventionally defined. And what happened? This left in place the foundations on which this pyramid keeps rebuilding itself in regression after regression, whether it's secular like Nazi Germany or Stalin, Soviet Union, or religious, like so-called religious fundamentalism, which if you really think about it, it is domination fundamentalism. What do they want? They want top-down control in both the family and the state or tribe, whether it's ISIS, the Taliban, Khomeini's Iran, or the rightist fundamentalist alliance in the US. And all of them, not coincidentally, also believe that war is holy. Violence is great, right? Uh, So really, if we want to move forward, we've got to pay well attention to these foundations. And because, look, unless we shift the foundations from domination to partnership, we will continue to have regressions like what we're going through right now and are just beginning to come out of in the United States with all the suffering and horror they bring. And yes, these cornerstones, Uh, I want to mention, and again, this is detailed in my books, are quite different from what the mainstream conversation, as well as the academic conversation, has been at least until now. And we've got to change that. They are childhood because neuroscience shows that our brains, nothing less than our brains, uh, are affected by in, in by how our brains develop in interaction with our cultural environment as mediated through families, education, religion, economics, etc. They are gender and you'll see why economics, of course and stories and language, and they're all interconnected. But as I said, since we have such a short time, I want to use the rest of it to focus on the third cornerstone, economics, or rather a new caring economics of partnerism and some steps, three steps, that we need to take uh, to create it. The first step is getting away from the current argument of capitalism versus socialism or vice versa. You know, look, both came out of early industrial times in the 1700s and 1800s. And we're in the 21st century post-industrial age. So they're outdated. But the problem goes deeper. While both challenged, economics of domination smith challenged the top-down control of kings and nobles through the mercantilism of his time marx challenged the rubber baron capitalism of his times however both also perpetuated many domination uh, elements particularly and this is central the devaluation of caring for nature and caring for people starting at birth which by the way, is a key feature of domination economics, whether it's ancient, like that of Chinese emperors, Arab sheiks, Indian pashas, or the so-called neoliberalism or trickle-down economics of today. So for both Smith and Marx, nature was there to be exploited. Nothing in the their theories about caring for our natural life support system. As for the work of caring for people starting at birth, well, for them, that was just women's work to be done for free in a male-controlled household. And the laws supported this. Now, this gendered system of values still permeates economics to this day. So consider somehow there's never enough money for anything stereotypically considered feminine, like caring for children, people's health, keeping a clean and healthy environment. And we have to change this, and that takes us to the second step, showing that caring pays, not only in human and environmental terms, but in purely financial terms. For instance, companies regularly listed as Fortune 500 best companies to work for have a substantially higher return to investors. Lots of evidence of this in the real of nations, including evidence that nations, yes, that caring policies are good for nations. Nations such as Sweden, Norway, Finland, which were so poor they had famines, are today in the highest ranks of the World Economic Forum's global competitiveness reports. And I should add, the International Happiness Reports. And they are not socialist. They have thriving businesses precisely because they invested in caring for their human infrastructure, their people, policies like universal healthcare high-quality childcare, generous paid parental leave, and so on, and yes, also in caring for nature, like cutting carbon emissions. And not coincidentally, and this really is so important, I said all four cornerstones are interconnected. They have the lowest gender gaps, according to the World Economic Forum, with women in top national leadership. Indeed, and I cannot emphasize this enough, and I really need you to spread this information, statistical studies show the relationship between a higher status of women and national economic success and a higher quality of life for all. And we at the Center for Partnership Studies conducted one of these early studies, Women, Men, and the Global Quality of Life. And you can get it at centerforpartnership.org, which takes us to the third and final step I can cover, changing our measures of economic health. I think you're all aware that GDP is really a mess. It includes activities that harm and even take life. Selling cigarettes, unhealthy fast foods, plus the resulting medical and funeral costs, they're great for GDP. But GDP fails to include the huge economic contribution of caring for people and for nature. Despite reports, well, like an Australian one showing that if the unpaid caring work in households, mostly still done by women, were included, it would be 50%, five zero percent of the reported GDP. Now, this is why my organization, the Center for Partnership Studies, is developing new metrics a social wealth index, which I want to emphasize differs from both GDP and most GDP alternatives, because it's geared to our knowledge, service, age, showing the enormous economic value, especially in this era, of caring for people. You know that could high-quality human capital? Well, whether it's produced or not depends neuroscience tells us, largely on the quality of care and education children receive, and yes, also caring for nature. And of course, this index is essential for what CEO is about, women transforming the economy. A team of economists is developing this index. So business and government policymakers finally have the missing information they need to make sound, equitable decisions. And I should add, so women who still perform most care work for free or for very low wages are no longer the poorest of the poor worldwide, and everyone has a better quality of life. So I invite you to join me in this movement of moving from domination towards a caring economics of partnerism. And as I said, there's more information at centerforpartnership.org. I thank you. This talk was recorded at the Shio Summit, March 2021, titled Humanizing Our System, Economics of Partnerism with Rianne Eisler, PhD and President for the Center for Partnership Systems. Learn more about her work at centerforpartnership.org. Thank you for listening to the sheo.world podcast. Like, comment, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women at sheo.world.